0: that's the secret
1: well, there it is well that and having chiseled good looks that helps too right Travis
0: well being drop dead sexy doesn't hurt
2: right uh-huh. so, yeah.
0: I mean I,
1: I definitely have that going for me yeah,
2: that's why I was surprised so, uh, you you said that you didn't just go straight to the door every time you know
1: yeah and like strike a couple poses like a couple well, and, bodybuilding poses and well, a
2: g-string of course yeah Ladies and gentlemen,
1: meet Travis Reeser. How we doing? I can hear him. I can hear him applauding. Can you, Brad?
2: I can hear him applauding okay, across, how you, across the United how, States. Brad, how would
1: you explain who Travis Reeser is? I mean, that's, I don't We only have an hour. He's like a big teddy bear. Well, I was going to more talk about his accolades and his abilities and stuff like <laughs>
2: that, but sure, Teddy Bear, that works too. Travis is a great goose hunter, awesome caller, and uh, I have seen as he's matured as a hunter over the years. I've watched him become a guy who is um, one of his one of his strongest points is that he's able to gain access to properties that nobody else can. And, and, um, that's one of the things we have him here to talk about today is, is gaining access to, um, properties and, um, we want to talk about scouting too, which, which he's also really good at, but you know, I mean, location is everything. And we have a lot of listeners who, who ask us frequently about, about, um, you know, tips on, on how to get permission. And Travis is exceptionally good at, at getting permission. He hunts in a very, um, very private area. I mean, I I'd say conservatively 90% of, um, excuse me, 90% 90% of the area that, that Travis hunts in is, is, um, is private. Um, well, and when it comes to geese, it's probably more than 90%. And, um, and it's not easy to get access to farms there. So, um, Travis, how do you do it? Yeah, what's your secret? Well,
0: yeah, uh, let me just let me tell you everything I know about getting permission, as long as nobody else does it. That how it works? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, totally. no, no, yeah, It's just nobody's us, listening. Yeah. It's yeah. just
2: no. Dave and I. All right, yeah.
0: perfect, perfect.
2: Yeah. My parents uh, want to so, so, Uh listen.
0: First of all, for me, uh, I, I believe in a little bit of divine intervention. I feel like uh, the good Lord has blessed me with the with the opportunity to put the right people in front of me. So I, I think the first thing that people need to understand when you start getting permission and access to properties to hunt, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, a lot of times people that are just starting uh, think they're going to go and, and grab some chunks of property, and it just happens immediately. Well, I've been over. I moved from the valley uh, when I used to hunt with you guys, and it's been this is my eighth year over in Eastern Oregon, and it's taken me eight years to kind of get what I have. <coughs> excuse me, what I have, and uh, and the the biggest thing for me that has been uh, the most helpful is just the right people and so it 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 all started about four years ago for me with a guy over here that uh uh, used to hunt with bill saunders a little bit and a long time ago when i lived in the valley I, i hunted a spot over here with bill and when i moved back over here i i kept seeing birds in that area and got a hold of bill and asked him about how a guy would get a hold of whoever hunted that or whoever had access to it and so he did and I, I sent an email out to that guy explaining who I was and what I wanted to do and and who gave me his information and it kind of spiraled from there he uh, you know the first year he gave me about a week out on the on that farm and uh the next year a guy that that hunted a lot moved and so he got a hold of me and asked me if I kinda wanted to be the guy out there hunting it and uh so, so that kinda led me to that farm. Well uh during that time there was a farm up above it and birds were going into that that I saw just ran into one day and I just put the feelers out. I, I get a hold of the people that I know, I got a hold of the, the, the guys that Bill put me in touch with and and they know people and so really for me it, it's a, it's a process of networking, and when you get into the right network of people, you can start finding out who has what and the right people to talk to, and, and when you start talking to those people and, and mentioning names of people they know and trust, and it, it usually helps, you and, know what I mean?
2: And Travis, can I ask you real quick, um, you know, I, I've yeah. heard you mention um, that you email a lot. You say that over and over and over again, I emailed this guy, you know, then I found out about this other guy and I emailed him. Is there a particular reason why you, are you choosing emailing versus, um, versus a phone call or a text message?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So, so I typically, um, will email someone if I don't have their phone number. If I, if I'm given their phone number, then I'll call them because I, I believe that's the best way to do it. If, if you can have, actually have a conversation with someone, you know, that's the best way to go about it. But there are there are situations where I, d- I don't have their phone number. You know, I, I might find them online and uh, send them a message and give them my phone number or ask if there's a way I can contact them. And, and sometimes they'll throw me their number. And a lot of times the, the people that I know over here, when I say, hey, uh, who owns this chunk of property? And they give me the name. A lot of times what they'll do is they'll just send me contact information and, and then I'll just give them a call.
1: Right on. There, there's one thing that's kind of neat about emailing is you can gather all your thoughts and word it exactly the way that you want to word it in person. You don't really get a second chance, you know, if you blurt out the wrong thing. Um, but with an email, I mean, I, I agree that a face to face conversation is the best and the second best might be a phone call but one thing about emailing or or mailing a letter is you do get to say exactly what you want to say um, and you get to proofread it a couple times you don't get to do that in conversation
2: and and it can be yeah, hard for sure. it can be hard to remember you know when you, you, you I don't know about you guys but a lot of times if I'm meeting somebody for the first time and I am approaching them about uh, about hunting a property, especially if it's one that's just loaded, and I really, really would like to hunt there, I I get nervous, and um, a lot of times I'm not thinking clearly, and I'll skip over things, points that I would like to make, and and like you said, Dave, you can avoid that um, with a good email or even a text message. You know, you can just get everything out yeah. there, all of your thoughts. That's 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 worked for me personally. A lot of times, I a lot of times I will I'll text message. A farmer and i'll just write everything out exactly the way sure. i want and to it, put it
0: i think i think the other part about that too with the email and the text <clears> message <throat> is you know relationally you're not at a point to to talk to small talk those guys you know you're you're, you're trying to kind yeah. of get to to the point and like dave was saying you know an email you can really explain who you are and what you've done and what you'd like to do and, and how you're going to take care of the place and, and really sell it. And, and then once you, you have those face-to-face conversations and uh, phone calls, you know, where you're talking to the, the farmer, then you can start building that the relation piece of it to maintain those properties. Yep.
1: You know, another thing, Travis, is it also gives them time to think about it. Like sometimes just to be cautious, their first reaction is, I better say no. And if you're, you know, if you're having a phone conversation with someone, you know, if that if that happens, that's not the end of the world that, you know, saying no once doesn't mean that the door will never be open. But I know in my own personal experience, like for me, the hardest thing to get permission is deer spots. And so what I do at the end of every season is I do a whole bunch of research and I end up sending out letters and I send out between 70 and 130 letters every year at the end of deer season, uh, trying to look for new or better property. And some of those people have held on to that letter for six weeks and have been thinking about it before they, before they call me and say, yeah, we yeah. thought about it and it's okay.
0: Yeah. Well, I, it's funny you say that though, the, the second biggest farm that I get to hunt over here, it took three years wow. after an email and, um, and it, and it was really shocking when I finally got a response and I, I'd, I'd emailed him two, two years in a row. And in the third year, uh, I just thought, you know, uh, he, he just isn't interested. And he actually reached out to me in an email. And, uh, so I, you're right. I mean it can take some time and certain things might have to be right. Uh, a lot of times, you know, some, some of these farmers have, have been burnt. They've been taken advantage of, they've had things ruined and, and broken and trespassers and, so, you know, the first time you talk to them or make contact with them, they may have just experienced something that soured them up a little bit. And, uh, you know, after three years, this guy finally gets a hold of me and we're able to to work out a pretty good deal.
1: Well, and you never know what happened in that three years because uh, they may have heard about your reputation a little bit or heard somebody else. Or th- then they also know for a fact, too, that you're not just coming in, trying to get permission, going to go thrash the place and leave, you know.
0: Right. That's right.
1: Well, and, you know, backing up quite a a ways, you know, you're talking about networking and it's good to get to know somebody who knows everybody and all that stuff. But none of that does you any good if you don't have a good, solid reputation. And in your case, Travis, uh, all those people that have, have helped you or been willing to give you contact information and stuff like that. The reason they, they did that is because you proved yourself to them and they, they know that you're trustworthy and stuff like that. So, I mean, back in way up, I, you know, that's probably, that's probably your biggest asset, you know, right off the bat is just taking really, really good care of properties and, and being honest and, and trust trustworthy and, uh, um, responsible. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree?
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, the people that really know me uh, know that I'm a fairly relational guy and, and uh, get along with people well and, and, and do my best to treat people well. And uh, I, I spend a lot of time in the off season taking care of the guys that allow me the privilege and honor to be on their properties. And, uh, you know, I've bought fishing trips for a couple of them and taken them out on fishing trips. I've taken them hunting if they want to go hunting. A lot of times, what they'll do is they'll call me up and ask me, "Hey, I, you know, my grandson's in town, and and he's got uh, him and his his dad want to go out, or whatever the case might be." And uh, you know, so for for me, it's not a just, "Hey, can I can I hunt your place?" And then that's it. It's uh, I spend a lot of time and energy and effort in taking care of those people that that give me that opportunity. And you know, I'm dropping off smoke smoke salmon and and walleye and pepperoni sticks and Um, I'll make them different things to kind of fit the whole farm thing. And, uh, I reach out to them. I reach out to them on holidays. I reach out to them if if something on special occasions and you know, there's times where they'll start communicating to you and maybe they're going to go on vacation or they're going to do this, that, and the other. And I know when they're coming back and I'll share them a text message that just says, Hey, hope you had a great trip home or whatever the case might be. So, so. I mean getting permission's just the first step. And then the the other piece around that is maintaining that per, that permission and 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 doing that by being, you know, honest and forthright and forthcoming and and making sure that you're there to to offer up whatever you can or whatever you can do for the person that's allowing you to to have the access.
1: Right on. Well, no, that's all fun stuff too, you know, taking them fishing and stuff like that. Uh, for sure yeah, there's a lot worse things you could be doing
2: hey yes <clears throat> once you do have permission um, how do you go about asking about bringing your buddies with you okay
0: so well the, the farm w- one of the farms that I have I, I get the opportunity to kind of to run uh, the hunting out there so um it's a, it's a big farm. And uh, so in that case, I kind of get to determine who gets to go where and what circle and it's an employee only situation. And so what happens there is um, when I talked to the the guys in charge, it was really a situation where I I pitched the idea of, um, you know, managing the the property to avoid, because you guys know as well as I do anytime something's open to anyone and everyone. It becomes a mess and um, you know, a lot of problems happen. And so with this particular place, I get to kind of determine who goes where and take care of the employees and put them on circles and make sure they're not hunting over the top of each other. And and exchange for all that, uh, I kind of get to, to have a run at the place as far as when I want to go hunting and who I want to bring. They just have to be with me. Uh typically on the other farms, if I'm going to take other people with me, the, the first people I always call when I'm gonna go hunting are the landowners. So uh the two other farms, anytime I go in there, my my first call is to them and to see what they're doing and if they want to go. Uh and then if they don't, then my second question is, Well do you mind if I take in uh, so and so? And I, they've never said no. It's never been a situation where they're like, no, we just want you to hunt it. Um, and, and a lot of times because farmers don't want the birds on their place, tearing it up. They want as many gone and killed yeah. as possible. So, um, but I, I've so certainly
2: I've, run into the, you know, the, the concern from, from farmers that, that they don't, you know, they don't want anybody showing up without you. So. Um, sure. Now
0: that, that, that never happens. So uh, I I don't send other guys to my properties to hunt unless I'm there. Right. And I, I uh, guess
2: I guess what I was getting at, Travis, was a big part of it for me is, you know, making sure that um, I'm not taking anybody into a property that I've done all the, the, the legwork on who, who would do that sort of thing. You know, I, I know who I take with me. Yeah. Um, it, it, and that's a big part of it.
0: Sure. Yeah. So the guys that I hunt with, I, you know, there's a trust, there's a trust thing there. And, um, I think that's to the people that are first getting into this stuff and getting involved in hunting and properties. It's, it's really easy to go in and try to undercut people and, and get cutthroat about it and, and cause problems. And And so I think one thing that, I mean one thing that's important, I believe, is to respect other people's permissions and um, and to not go in and take advantage of that and i've I have not had that happen to me over here in Eastern Oregon. Um, all the guys that I take out understand uh, you know the situation, and the other piece of that is the, the farms that are that I hunt are really heavily posted for the most part, and um, if they were to get out there and try to do that. It it would cause them more problems than it would do anything. So, um, we don't. I don't worry too much about that. Especially the guys that I take out there. Uh, I just it's not something I get too worried about.
2: Yeah, but but you made a great point there. Um, you know, when you when you said that um, it, it it's really easy for guys who are new to the sport to undercut. You know, like if you're taken to a property and, um, it's, it's not a property that's, that's leased, you know, it's, it's somewhere your buddy took you to. And you know, the, you know that the farmer doesn't like the geese and it would be just as easy for you at that point to go up and get permission to hunt the property. That's not cool. Right. That is not cool.
0: No. And that's happened to me, not over here, but that's happened to me in the past and, um, it puts a sour taste in your mouth. You know, you trust guys and, and to go out and, and kind of respect the fact that oh, that's your permission. And and, uh, and I also try to do the same thing to other guys around here. And so, like I said, the group of guys that I hunt with, uh, I don't really worry about that. And the, the two farms, two of the three farms that I hunt, um, it, the landowners just let absolutely nobody else. On there. Um, and then the other one, the landowner, lots of people go out and pheasant hunt and do some other things, but uh, only lets me do the waterfowl stuff. And so, and the nice part is, and you know, going back to that relational piece, is now uh, when somebody asks to hunt, those landowners call me. Especially oh, awesome. if they, yeah, especially if they drop my name. Um, you know, the, the, I had an incident where a guy tried to do that the first year I, took over one farm, and uh, I got a phone call that said, hey, this guy said he knows you and says that you said you didn't care if he hunted out here, and I didn't even know the kid. And so, you know, I've gotten to that point now. It's been pretty nice where if a situation like that happens, um, that I get a phone call, and, and we can usually get it straightened out.
2: And you had alluded to me the other day that in that situation, um, unlike unlike maybe the old Travis, uh, <laughs> the experience, <laughs> the older experienced Travis has found that it is much, much, much better to get along and and to help um, you know, those people succeed, you know, and in, in getting them on on a field with some birds and rather than trying to shut them out.
0: Yeah, that's right. And so the last thing you want to do when you start doing permissions, the last thing you want to do is cause problems for the landowner. So what I try to do is lessen the problem for the landowner and lessen the headache of the landowner having to deal with a bunch of guys always bothering him and, and that sort of thing. And that's one of my pitches when I go in and talk to landowners about, you know, I, I will monitor your property. I'll be out scouting. I will make sure that no one's trespassing. And it, you know, you don't have to worry about any of that. And so you kind of create a situation where it takes all that off of them. And because ultimately they care about farming and, and that's kind of what they, they worry about. And so if you can take that off their plate, you know, they, they'll appreciate that. But yeah, it, it, I'm not out to cause problems or, or, or get all stinky. You know, sometimes people make mistakes or on a place, especially by accident and and the best approach is always you know a kinder approach and and that way you're not causing any issues for the
2: landowner sure but you're in a situation where you're running the show and a lot of these these guys you know they they all have to go through you and and you know you could you could easily mislead them or or say well no we're we're hunting there first you know um, you know, tell them tell that, that I, you're planning on hunting there already or, or something, you know, yeah. even if you're not, but you, you, yeah, you, know, I, you, I, you don't do that.
0: No, actually. So it's funny because that just happened today. So, um, the, <sighs> for the employee only farm where I issue those passes and put people on them, when they, when an employee calls me and wants to hunt, uh, if they haven't found a circle already, I will put them on birds to make sure that they have a good hunt. Because if the experience is good for them and they go out and it all works out right, then the system's good. And, uh, and then they don't ever have to question my integrity or question what I'm doing out there because I'm going to make the experience good. And so just today, as a matter of fact, there was two circles that uh, one had a, a small group of birds in it and the other one had about 1,500 birds in it. And, uh, one of the employees called me and wanted to hunt and I, I put him on the circle that had all the birds on it and I hunted two circles away from him and he killed his birds and then I got mine. So it worked out great. And, awesome. and so in those situations, it, you know, when they're happy and then they go to their boss and tell them how good it is and how much they like the process, then it just, it just solidifies that permission, you know? And, um, and really if there's a situation where they don't have a place to hunt or they they don't they're not set up to hunt very well then I'll bring them with me and I'll take them and give them a good experience and so it's worked out really good there's a there's a few employees that I've taken out several times and actually now I'm I'm kind of friends with one of them and we kind of work together now when we're scouting and and uh, it's been a pretty good partnership
2: yeah it's um it's a lot easier to be friends and then to be enemies that's for sure
0: yes especially
1: in situations
0: that on on big farms with these you know you've got your you know your general managers out there and your farm managers and they don't want to be bothered they don't want to be bothered about stuff that doesn't matter
2: (laughs) to them exactly
0: you know so so if you can if you can make nice and, and make sure everyone's set up and squared away then it just makes them more willing to continue that partnership and letting you hunt.
1: Yep. Right on. Um, so Travis, a, a bunch of our listeners are going to want to know how Travis Reeser would, um, would approach a landowner um, and, and just the basic, the basic method or basically what, what would you say approaching a landowner for the first time that doesn't know anything about your reputation um, or that you've you know hunted on other places or on the neighbors or something like that and just trying to get permission, what, what, would, you, what would you say um, to, to that person or what, what advice would you give for somebody that's just in their area trying to get permission on a brand-new place?
0: Sure. So uh, the, the first thing that I always do in that situation is I try to figure out if I know anyone that knows the landowner. Because if, if you can drop a name they're comfortable with or familiar with, are friends with, then the conversation is a lot lighter, a lot easier. If not, if, if, if I don't have that uh, option, then typically what I'll do is I'll figure out a way to get a hold of them and whether it be going and knocking on their door or giving them a phone call. And the first thing I always do is just introduce myself, who I am and what I do. So, uh, you know, my name's Travis Reeser. I'm a, I'm a high school teacher and, and football coach and coach and basketball coach at Stanfield secondary. And, uh, here's what I do. And, and, you know, I'm on high, sitting on highway 207 and I see that you have about 500 bullies in your circle. And I don't know if you have anyone that hunts it yet, but I would really be interested in hunting it and that, anything like that. So that would be my first approach. And, uh, and usually it'll, it'll either trigger a conversation or uh, it'll just be a no. I'm sorry, I've got so and so who hunts it, or and then I always thank them for their time. And and if it's a no, and if it's a yes, That's a lot of times too, when when you when you introduce yourself and you start talking about you know I coach this or I do this or I'm involved in this, you may spark or trigger something that they're interested in, or they may have coached uh, a baseball team somewhere or something, and then that starts the the light conversation. That starts kind of the you know, the relation piece. And so if you can, if you can find a common interest and start talking a little bit about like uh, a little bit about that, and then that can work into, you know, we'll kind of get back to the goose hunting thing and, and work out that property.
1: Sure.
2: And, and, um, it, if you happen to know where that, that person, that individual lives, Uh, would you still call them versus maybe stopping by and and trying for a a face-to-face?
0: Yeah, so that's a tough one. So I I would prefer face-to-face. I like doing that better. Uh, But I also have been in situations where I pulled up to where a landowner lives, and they may have their driveway posted, you know, or something where it just doesn't look very welcoming. Mm-hmm. So, so for for me, then I would use a phone call. I, I you know, I wouldn't want to make them feel uncomfortable or <clears throat> or make it awkward or piss them off by driving up their driveway that's posted. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, so I kind of fill that one out. If I feel like I could, it's a guy I can go talk to, and you know, it looks like a place that's all right, then then I would. Um, you know, a lot of times farmers are busy, and they're they're super busy, and so you know, you pull up in there and they're in the middle of working on something, then, uh, you know, sometimes they don't like that. You call them, they can, you can leave a voicemail or, um, they can let you know, they'll call you back or whatever the case might be. and might be a little less irritating. So I, for me, it's just kind of trying to get a feel for what would be best.
1: Yep. Yep. And then if you, um, if you had a choice between, uh, making first contact with the farmer or the owner, if, if they're different, wh- who would you contact?
0: Well, that's, a, that's a great question. So, um, more often than not the owner will defer you to the farmer. Um, you know, cause they're the ones that are out there. And, uh, the last thing you'd want to do is go over the top of a farmer who's working that ground. Um, so for me, I would approach the farmer first just out of respect and, uh, and then if he can't get permission, he'll let you know. He'll let you know that you've got to talk to the owner or he'll talk to the owner for you and, and go that way. That We've got a, a little chunk of ground over here that we hunt. That, that's exactly the case. And so uh, we, we talked to the farmer first and we didn't have to go any further than that because on a lease agreement, the farmer controls all the hunting rights. So we didn't have to go to that next step. So I think you start with the farmer first, just out of respect. I mean, they're they're the ones on that ground, and you, you don't want to catch them off guard, or or you know maybe they don't want something, someone hunting it, and the owner says, ah, you know, whatever, I don't care, go ahead. And then you're on it, and uh, if you don't make contact with that farmer and let them know, or you just show up, then then problems can start.
2: Hmm. Uh, okay. So um, once you have permission. Uh, to hunt a piece and and let's say it's the first time you've hunted this particular uh property um what's 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 step one i mean what what do you do what do you do then what are what are some of the sorts of questions you ask if if any
0: the questions i ask to the landowner.
2: yeah yeah or or to the, the farmer, farmer if that's who you sure. end up getting permission yep. from all right well so um uh, before I even go out hunting,
0: after I get the yes, then I talk about anything that the, you know, the farmer or landowner, if there's any do's or don'ts, you know, specific do's or don'ts. And a lot of times i will say, yeah, don't, don't drive on the circle or don't uh, stay off of this side because I've got a pump over there or whatever. So I try to find out if there's any stipulations to, the, to hunting, if there's anything they need to, to look out for. And make sure that we're not screwing up so that's always my first question
2: okay yeah i know i know one of the first things i generally ask especially if there's birds on a particular field is is anybody else hunt out here has anybody talked to you about you know and and if the answer is yes then has anybody talked to you specifically about hunting out there you know let's say i'm interested in hunting out there the next day has anybody talked to you about hunting out there tomorrow you know, and for right. me, if if somebody's already planning on hunting out there, I back off. You know, right. I might yep. I might ask yep. I might ask who it is first, just because sometimes yep. you yep. know, you know, sometimes it's a good buddy of yours or something um, who who sure. just happened to find him too. But um, yeah, I always I always do what I think you know I would I would appreciate if somebody were to do in in my situation you know same situation so um I I back out at that point. It's a,
0: yeah, a great point. Yeah, it's a great point because the last thing you want to do is, is land on the same circle <laughs> on the morning with, with another group of hunters. And, that's, a, that's a great question to ask.
2: Absolutely. I mean nobody wants to get super excited and show up at four thirty the next morning only to find yeah another group of guys um, who who you've never hunted with. So right. um yeah that's a really really important question to ask I think and For sure. um Probably. and you know I think a lot of in in fact I'd say most farmers um will will typically tell you and and even have a, a you know a kind of an unwritten rule that if somebody else is hunting there already they won't allow somebody else to hunt there you know i, I do right. get sometimes yeah um i'd let you hunt but you know somebody's already going out there tomorrow or whatever um right yeah so but i think it's still it's still good to still good to ask and and it's not a bad idea to get the you know the name of the owner if the owner is you know a different individual um you know they if, if you have a separate owner and farmer to find out you know for sure um the, through the owner if they might have anybody that, that, hunts out there too. Right. right. Yep. Whatever you can yeah, do to sure. avoid that really disappointing, uncomfortable, you know, confrontation in the field at, you know, yeah. dark 30.
1: You know, I, I've had that situation happen quite a few times, but mm-hmm. I, uh, I've been lucky, uh, and that the people were pretty cool. Um, like I've been in situations where, uh, I get, get to a spot, and then somebody else shows up. And for the most part, it's all been fine. Um, I usually just ask the people if they want to, if we just want to put all our decoys together and all our blinds together. Sometimes they want to do it. Sometimes they don't. Um, But I've even had times where, where they opted to not do that. And then we just make sure we just, you know, hunt as far apart from each other as possible and try to respect each other's, you know, birds that are circling or something like that. But sometimes they start out wanting to hunt away from you and uh, a couple hours later they're they're fine with wanting to come and join you you know so that that works <laughs> out too
2: oh yeah I've, I've done that before too you know or somebody shows up after me and we try to split up and then you know when a flock starts working them just just so uh, you know i'm sure that they know that there's birds coming i'll fire a warning shot just to yeah let know. them
1: know that birds are coming right right like, yeah, let just them, just like, yeah
2: right just, just so they're aware just a yeah. gesture
1: of goodwill.
2: Right.
0: <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good strategy. <laughs> yeah.
1: Two shots you know, means there's far, birds coming. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's really funny, Dave, that you say that. So one of the guys that is now one of my good friends and uh, hunting partner now, uh, I met on a farm that, that, you know, so there's some of those farmers that will give permission to anyone who asks. They don't care, and they don't care if you ever make contact with them again. They just want birds off their place, and uh, so I, I actually hunted a farm that. Uh, and this was five years ago, I believe, that in that situation where where anyone that went on it wanted on it could, could hunt it, and uh, I happened to show up one morning and, and was setting up, and here comes this truck, and uh, we decided to do like what you're talking about, where we just kind of combined our decoys and started hunting and talking to each other and he started saying some names that I knew and I threw out some names that he knew and then that kind of spiraled into uh, to, uh, well, here's, my, here's my phone number, give me a call if you're going out again and we, we started hunting together and now we hunt together almost every weekend. So oh, Kind of triggered into a, a pretty cool <laughs> deal.
1: I I have a story about permission but it's not nearly that cool. Um, but I'll tell it anyways because... <laughs>
2: That's <laughs> uh, oh, it's a good educational one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, one time I was hunting down on the coast on the Oregon side and, um, I saw these birds out in a field that I wanted to hunt really bad. And there were some neck colored birds in there. And I finally found, found the owner and asked him if I can hunt. And he said, no, nope, no, I can't, can't let you. That's leased. And I'm like, okay. And then I think I waited until the very next season and I've never, never saw anyone hunt there. And I asked him again the next season, he's like, no, I can't, I can't let you out there, that's least. And I was just relentless. I just kept asking him and kept asking him. And uh, I, I was just as nice as I could be about it. But I just like, it was just killing me that there were net colored birds, (laughs) birds out there. And he says it's least, but I've literally never seen anyone hunt out there. And so Finally, and the guy was telling me that he just hates that the geese are out there and they're just eating his, you know, pasture grass and everything. So finally, he said, "All right, listen. The, the people that lease it, they mainly hunt this green, this green strip in the middle. As long as you stay out of there, he goes. Uh, no, actually, he told me there's another strip, two two strips down. You can hunt that. I'm like, okay, that's totally fine. So he let me hunt one time, and I knew full well I wasn't going to kill anything because that strip was horrible. There's just noth- nothing there. But he he that opened the door. So as soon as he let me hunt, then I just showered him with gifts. I mean, I just I just you know brought stuff for him and his wife and his kids and his dog and everything. And uh, <coughs> excuse me. And so it's kind of like, well, if you can just get, get permission one time, then then you're then you're uh, you know you have got a great opportunity to really make it make it worth their while. I mean, I just picked up every shot one cleaned up everything, made it totally no trace and didn't drive out, drive out in the field and just, you know, showered them with gifts and everything. So, so then he started letting me hunt more regularly. And then next thing you know, he's telling me, you know what, like those other people, it's not so much that they leased it. What they did is it's a father and son. And a few years ago they gave me a rifle uh, for, for me letting them goose hunt. And he said, and I haven't seen them in a long, long time. So he said, you can go ahead and hunt, hunt in the green Strip. So I started hunting out there and it was just having, you know, having a blast and stuff. Well, then sort of word got around that I was hunting out there and uh, the father and son, I guess they were kind of OK with it. They were just more interested, like wanting to know why, why is this guy even interested in hunting out there? Because it, you know, it's just the hunting's no good. And so one morning, uh, me and some friends were hunting out there. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, as it got light, we realized that a couple strips down, there were other people hunting out there, and it was the father and son. And pretty soon they came over, and they said, you know, we're listening to your calls, and we were blowing uh, BC Minimas, you know, Brett, the one that Brad helped, helped design. And we were like, we couldn't figure that out because it just sounded exactly like a real goose. And, and uh, you know, and you guys are getting birds to come in and all this stuff. Like, what are you doing? And we're like, well, why don't you just let's just hunt together, you know? So we get to know this father and son and they're great guys and we're just, you know, have a blast. And we get to a point where we, we every weekend or every time that I was going to hunt, I called them and then we'd meet out there and, you know, we'd have fun and stuff. But one thing went wrong and that is the father of the father and son would insist on driving out in the field every time. And that the owner told me specifically that, he doesn't want us to drive, and so I was a little nervous about him driving out there. Well, then finally, uh, one evening I got a call from the from the owner's son, just chewing me out for drive for driving out there, and right. you know, I apologized like crazy. He told him I was really sorry and won't happen again and everything. Well, then the the very next week, they those guys come and they drive out again. And then I get a call that night from the owner's son and just barking at us like crazy. And I didn't really rat those guys out, but I just told him, you know, that, that, you know, you know, I, I understand. And, you know, I'm doing everything I can to prevent that. So the next weekend I showed up way, way, way early, pushed all my decoys out, out into the field um, and emptied, emptied my cart and then pushed it back and met those guys at the road. And I said, listen, if you park right here where my truck is. Um, I'll push your, your decoys and your guns and everything out in the cart. All you have to do is walk, um, and, and you don't have to carry anything. And the guy just said, you know what? I've known the owner since high school, and this is all rock, and there's no reason why in the world why we can't drive, and I'm driving out there. So he drove out there, and I got that call that night, and the guy chewing me out, and, or I thought he was going to chew me out, but he said that he called those guys first like he usually does and chewed them out. And those guys finally told him that they were the only ones that had been driving out there and that I actually had even been trying to (laughs) talk them into not driving out there. So that was pretty nice of them. Well, as it worked out, those guys got kicked off and I got on and, and stayed permanently on that, on that field for, for the, until, you know, almost until the present day. I mean, I can still hunt out there because I'm friends with the family that owns it, but, but their son has gotten old enough to where he likes to hunt. So he kind of has first, first run of it, but he's nice enough to invite me now too, which is great. But meanwhile, the father and son, they permanently lost permission on a, on an amazing property and all just because they just couldn't follow that simple, simple request.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and so, and that just goes back to that respecting the, the landowner respecting what they want you to do and, and sometimes it can be an inconvenience, but losing the property is even more inconvenient. So sometimes you just have to knuckle up and, and do it.
2: Err on the side of over caution. Yes. Treat it like it's your own property. Yeah. And even, if, yep, they're, even sure. if what they're
1: asking is, is unreasonable, <clears throat> like in that case, you know, it really was rock out on that road. But the thing is, is that it's... That it's their property,
2: and they and, can. And they may have had right. other reasons, not even yeah. related to the composition of the ground. Yeah, yeah, you know, for you not to, you know, maybe it scares their cows, or yeah. I don't know.
1: And the bottom line is, it's their it's their prerogative. Yeah, it's their, it's their damn
2: property. They can right. do whatever the hell they but want. They with don't it. even have to
1: have a reason, right? Yeah. you know.
0: Right. That's right.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: and and I think I think the the other piece of that that people would need to be careful about is. When a landowner does give you information like that or, or tells you that he doesn't want something done, that you don't try to convince him otherwise. Yeah. You yep. don't try to,
2: Absolutely. Uh, to
0: argue. You just you just take it for what it is and uh, and and do whatever they've asked you to do.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody nobody wants to be pressured by some stranger who, you know, you hardly know. And who you're doing right. a favor for? Yeah, that just doesn't sit right. that yep. doesn't sit well with them.
1: Nope. When um when I was at Nike, uh, Travis, somebody told me when I first started there, somebody told me like, hey, if you want to survive here, all you have to do is make your boss's life easy. And I just yep. took I just took that to heart, and that applies in the corporate world, and in getting you know getting permission on goose properties.
0: That's right. Just, there there are several times when I'm out scouting and, and, or if I'm hunting, if I see a rig or if I see something not right, I will, I will text the farm manager and, and just ask him, Hey, here's the rig that I saw. Is that a work rig or, or Hey, the, this circle over here looks like someone did this, that. And, uh, you know, they appreciate, they appreciate that you're looking out for the place and, and making sure that you know, you're trying to keep it nice and, And like you said, you just just make them happy. So, um, I take some pictures of, you know, especially for the one farm that they asked that I take guys out hunting that do business with the farm. And so now I've, I've, there's been a few times where guys that will call me that, that do business with the farm that want to take their, them and their employees out on a hunt or whatever. And, and, uh, so I bring them with me and, and we get to hunt together and I've made some pretty cool contacts that way, but the bottom line is it makes it makes the the guy running the farm happy. And so if he's happy then then I get to keep my permission.
2: Yep, absolutely. What else?
0: <laughs> well, I mean that's about it. I mean it's really it's about getting your foot in the door. It's about making sure that you you make it more than just, I get to use your property. You know, you make it a little more personal and, and, uh, and then really the big thing I think is maintaining it and and going out of your way to do things that you don't have to do for somebody that's doing something for you that they don't have to do. And, uh, you know, then they don't feel like they're just being used and, yeah. and, uh, you know, you, you form some of those relationships The the one farm, but one of the farm managers that I used to deal with a lot retired about three months ago. And I still send them messages and asking how retirement is and, you know, happy holidays and those kind of things. So I think you just got to really, once you get your foot in there, you know, you, you keep those guys happy, you do the right thing, and then the networking piece gets bigger. You know, so now the one, the guy that retires, if I have a question about a piece of property, well, shoot, he farmed for 35 years, and he knows a lot of people. So he's got no problem now sharing a contact with me that he may otherwise not have shared with me.
1: Mm-hmm. Right on. So, yeah. That's the
0: secret. Well, there it is. Well, that
1: and having chiseled good looks, that helps too, right, Travis?
0: Well, being drop dead sexy doesn't hurt. Right. You uh-huh. know, I mean, I definitely have that going for me. Yeah,
2: that's why i was surprised <laughs> so, uh, you, you said that you didn't just go straight to the door every time, you know?
1: Yeah, and I'd, like strike a couple of poses, like a couple <laughs> well, and, bodybuilding poses. And well, a G string, of
2: course. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't mind doing that if their wives aren't home, but that's when the real problems start right, when their wives exactly. are there and then it oh, makes them feel bad. Right. Yeah. You, know what I mean? <laughs> you Gotta really be careful about that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I
0: just I just threw you, up you, in my mouth. You know how women you know how women just love goose hunters.
1: Oh, oh god. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, deal. it's just like de- de- goose, you know, like decoy makers and stuff. Everybody thinks that you know, Brad and I got into it for the women. It's like, oh yeah, you right. just automatically assume that. Yeah, it's like it's you know what? Magnet. We're deeper than that. Hello.
2: Yeah, we got it into <laughs> for the money too. You know. Yeah, yeah. The chicks and right. money. It wasn't yeah, the, about the women. It was about the money.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, what, what, what I can't say well is like the fame throwing their panties at us. It's like, come on, this is embarrassing. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. I know. It's, Jesus. It's I'm just, I know I'm a decoy maker, but for God's sakes, I'm, you know, I'm a human with feelings. Yep. All right. <laughs> you you, I you feel,
0: I mean, you're, you're a real person for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, with I, have, feelings. I have
1: feelings too. Hey Travis, <laughs> um, you know, we're talking about the old Travis and the new Travis. I don't know if I really have really ever experienced the old Travis and the new Travis, but uh, you know, you and I have done a lot of things and traveled to a lot of places over the years and stuff. But talking about being level, level headed, do you remember the time that we were fishing on Colby Lake and it was just, <laughs> it was just horrible, horrible fishing? And we go out to this point and drop, drop a buoy yep. on there. Yep. And then yep. I was about at the end of my rope anyways, because the fishing was horrible yep. and stuff. And then we look over and here's these guys We're trying to let that point rest or it was a hump. It was a hump. We're trying to let it rest for, for several hours. We're like, okay, this day is miserable, but this is our last saving grace. We're going to get to go fish this, (laughs) this hump now. And then there's these guys in this boat going over there and they're just fishing up our, they're pulling up our, our float and driving away with it. And what'd I do, Travis?
0: Well, (laughs) so here's the funny thing is this, this is when you and I first started to get to know each other, when we first started fishing, and all I knew was this soft-spoken, really kind, <laughs> nice Dave that never gets ma- mad about anything. And you put the hammer down on your boat. I think I actually got whiplash, if I remember correctly, and we went about 65 miles an hour to that boat. I thought you were going to cut it in half. <laughs> cut your motor and just proceeded to tongue-lash them like they were seven-year-old children. <laughs> and you, you were so angry. I don't even think you even realized what you were looking at because by the time you were done, you realized it was a dad and his young kid.
1: Oh, and then man. you
0: felt like an idiot. And you were like, I'm so
1: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that to them? <laughs>
0: yeah, you said that to them because uh, after you, I mean, it, your rant <laughs> went for about three minutes straight without you taking a breath. And this poor kid's eyes got the size of (laughs) of tennis balls and his dad didn't know what to say.
1: And I just sat there. I was like, who is this guy? I'm sitting next to.
2: (laughs) All (laughs) I I remember is the
1: guy, the, the kid saying, well, we wondered whose it was. And I was like, well, you were pretty sure it wasn't yours. Weren't you?
2: Um, I think uh, you're right. uh, Right. (laughs) And then after you were done, I think that's the you, censored you, version of what you actually said. Well, I'm glad to hear that I well,
1: apologize to those because I, I forgot that. Yeah,
2: so that. That was the
0: best part is after you were done just beating them with your <laughs> words, then you felt bad and you're like, oh, you know, it's been a bad fishing day. I'm, I'm sorry. I probably shouldn't have come off so strong. <laughs> oh, good. I'm glad I at least did that. But then the kids... The kid was already sitting in a puddle of his own urine. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That was so funny.
1: Oh, geez. Okay. Well, now the world knows that I'm a complete dick. But that's
2: okay. (laughs) Well, I don't think so. I mean, I've been pissed too. So, okay. So, let me get this straight. And keep in mind, I'm not a bass fisherman. I don't really fish at all for anything. But, okay. So, you you mark this hump, you know, which is a great spot Mm -hmm. for you with a buoy and you're off fishing a shoreline on the other end of the lake and you look over and, and hadn't your buoys been disappearing on you? Like I can't
1: remember. I know I've lost several, uh, several
2: that way, but okay. I I thought it was kind of an ongoing issue. Well, regardless of whether it was or not, you you look over and this spot that, you know, you've worked super hard to, to discover, I'm sure. um, you know, that you went out of your way to go mark um, and then let sit while you fished another portion of the lake, Uh, some guy goes over there and just picks up your buoy. He has no idea whose it is or why it's there and just picks it up.
1: Yeah, and so if they would have fished, if they would have just stopped and fished, that would have been totally fine, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, they're picking up our buoy like just, I don't know. But that's. Was so that was a long time.
2: <laughs> I remember the first time Travis told me that story and it was awesome. It was so awesome. I loved hearing <laughs> it. Jeez.
1: And then we drove all the See way ya? to Clear Lake in California to go fish. And it turns out that that was the weekend of an FLW tournament with over a hundred boats on it. Uh, yeah, that was
0: super awesome.
1: Well, and then the other thing is, is we, we got pulled over by a female police officer and she's yep. like, well, what are you guys doing over here? And like, why why, are you, why are you coming to this part of the state? All the cute girls are back here and stuff like that. And so she's like flirting with Travis, right? And this and I'm thinking to myself, okay, Travis, this is, this is where you say, well, I don't know, officer, it looks like all the cute girls are right here, <laughs> right? <laughs> like yeah, what any right. of us would do. Right. And what right. does Travis do? He holds up his ring finger and says, I wouldn't care. I'm a married man. Okay, so then That's we got right. the, we you got, the the ticket. You got the
0: ticket. Yeah, 180. Instant ticket.
1: <laughs>
2: it's instant ticket. Oh man, uh, oh, ridiculous. Well. But Michelle's worth it, right? That's right. Of course. That's
1: right. And you got two beautiful daughters, and they're doing great. I do. Uh, and I can't believe how quick they're
2: growing. Holy shit! Yeah,
0: wow. they are. They're getting big.
1: Well, and you're going to have the same problem that I had, and that is, um, my my daughter's 23 now, and um, well, I, had, I had to fight off guys with a shotgun for the longest time.
2: Yeah, well, already, six of them are still buried now. in the backyard.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah, there's some. <laughs>
2: did you get any under the house?
1: Well, I'm not a complete animal. There's white crosses out there. You know, <laughs> yeah. I didn't just bear I, him without I any gave kind their of respect. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right. Well, it was great to to catch up with you, Travis, and we we certainly appreciate your awesome insight. And uh, we all wish we had your ability to get permission. But I think I think we're we've learned a little bit and uh, we're inspired to go work it a little bit.
0: Yep. Perfect. Just make just make sure you stay over there
2: and do it. Okay. Okay, yeah, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, huh. Well, it sounds like you have a pretty impenetrable force over where you're at anyway, so I, I don't think we're any kind of threat.
0: Well, it's so far so good, but, I mean, like anything else, you know, you, you never know. It, it could it can be gone as quick as you get it, you know what I mean? So yep. you just you enjoy it while you have it and uh, do the best you can to keep it. And... Move on when you lose it.
1: Right on. Yep, yep.
2: All right, buddy. Good talking to you. Uh, All right, you guys. Best of luck with the rest of your season. And why don't you try to make it over here for a late season hunt?
0: I would totally do that if you can promise no rain. (laughs) Or mud, right? Or mud or having to push a cart out into a field or doing anything other than driving right to the spot and unloading.
2: Yeah, okay okay we'll work on it. well, we'll okay. if you give us about 20 years maybe we can we can make that happen perfect i'll be there
1: <laughs> sounds good <laughs> okay
0: all right take care buddy <laughs> <laughs> all right you guys we'll see you all, all right, right see you
2: bye